I just thought of a really interesting fact that the church is, uh, the original word for the church means like the called out ones. And at least for all of us like here in person, we are literally like called outside of buildings. Um, but bad, bad jokes about Greek aside. Um, <laughs> thanks, Luke. Welcome to church. Um, we're glad that you're here, especially to all the students who are uh, returning and coming back. Um, you guys can again find our lyric sheets online at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. You can find our message notes there as well as the lyric sheets for the songs that we're going to sing. If you're in person, you can find them over there on the little benches or the tables over there, staffed by our wonderful uh, welcome teams. But yeah, with that, I'd invite you guys to stand with us as we worship and sing of our God who has conquered the grave, conquered death, conquered sin, um, and who we get to rejoice in. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope but no place to begin your love made a way to let mercy come in when death was arrested and my life began ash was redeemed only beauty remains my orphaned heart was given a name my morning grew quiet and my feet rose to dance when death was arrested and my life began oh your grace so free washes over me you have made me Jesus rose with our freedom in 
everybody. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We're glad you're here with us this morning. This is a great day uh, just in terms of the weather and everything else. So for those of you guys that are not local normally, uh, students-wise, you know, this is why we're in California. This is amazing. You know, so uh, hopefully we'll have a lot more days like this in the future. So uh, my name is Jeremy Walker, and uh, I help with the First Impressions team here at Church in the Valley and just wanted to welcome you this morning let you know about a few announcements uh, going on in church life coming up and just some things about this morning. So uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, we have some free resources over there at the guest resource table. There's a book called How Good is Good Enough? And you're welcome to grab a copy of that for you or someone that you think would be interested in that. Um, That's just our gift for you for joining us this morning. Um, Also, if you would like a physical copy of either the song lyrics or um, some crayons for you or for your kids, uh, no judgment. Um, they're over there at the guest resource table as well, and as well as a handout for the um, uh, notes for this morning for church. If you want to have that digitally, you can go on your phones or tablets at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday and access that as well. Um, and there's other uh, resources over there as well if you need that. There's connection cards. We also have that digitally on the website as well um, that you can access. Or if you want to fill out a physical connection card, you can do that. Uh, we won't be passing around as normal the, um, the offering baskets, but if you want to give, you can also give either online or at the guest resource table on your way out. Um, it's past Christmas. It's New Year's. We're midway into January, but as usual, we uh, continue our collection for um, the Christmas offering that we give to a variety of ministries, both locally and nationally and internationally. Um, And there's a little handout as well over there that speaks to some of the ministries that we give to, but we collect an offering every year uh, through the end of January. And so if you would like to give to that or you have already given that, thank you. Um, You can continue to do that through the end of January. So our goal that we kind of uh, prayerfully kind of designated this year, we want to shoot for was uh, $18,000. And so far we are just over uh, kind of that halfway mark at 9,000. So, you know, we're getting there. Um, and so if you would like to help contribute to that, that is uh, giving, we encourage, you know, above kind of the normal 
uh, giving that our congregation is so generous in giving uh, in general. So thank you for that, and we're excited to be able to bless the ministries through that. Um, wanted to let you know about a quick uh, opportunity coming up here. So it seems like they just launched, but uh, Valley Lights Church up in the Santa Clarita area, um, they are a sister church. They got planted out of us and some other churches in our network, but they're actually having their grand opening coming soon where they're going to begin to have weekly services starting uh, next week, the 24th. And so Saturday, the 23rd, they're going to do one last push to kind of get the word out and have door hangers um, put around the different neighborhoods and stuff. And so they need extra help doing that. And so if any of you guys uh, would like to, you know, increase your exercise, you know, that's one of your 2021 goals, or you just want to help out with the church, this would be a great opportunity to do that. And so we, if you want to help with that, just go ahead and mark down your connection cards and we can let you know about the time and place they're meeting for that. But that'll be next Saturday, uh, the 23rd in the morning, about 9 a.m. to noon in terms of your schedule, if you're wondering on that. So um, we're glad you're here with us this morning. I'm going to pray and we're going to um, sing one more song and then uh, we'll welcome up Rick to, to give our message. So, uh, Father, thank you so much for uh, giving us this space, um, giving us this weather and uh, giving us the the variety of people within our congregation that are just so skilled to be able to um, not only lead us in worship, but to be able to um, help out and just meet different needs in different ways. And so we thank you for that. Uh, we recognize that that is um, above and beyond what we deserve. And God, I pray that as we move into this morning, that we would really learn from your word and really be applied to our lives. Um, and as, as you say, we are ministers of reconciliation. May we continue to be that as we move into our weeks and, and do our jobs. Um, pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand with us as we continue singing? And thank you, Jeremy. As we sing these next couple of songs, um, our hope is that we remember that our God is a God deserving and worthy of the highest of our praises. He's the only thing that matters, really, in our life. So, sing this out. I searched the world And couldn't fill me Man's empty praise And treasures that fade Are never enough you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Still call me friend 
Because the God of the mountain is the God of the valley. There's not a place your mercy and grace won't find me again. There's nothing. Oh, there's
thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone.
perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all your ways. Sing it out to your Father. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all your ways. You are perfect in all your God, we know that you are perfect. That your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness is eternal, Lord. You're good toward us. Lord, many of us have tasted and seen that you are good. And we know of this. So I pray that as we listen to your word preached, that we would be with thanksgiving, receiving it, that would fill our hearts and fill our lives so we may honor you in all that we say and all that we do. So we lift this time up to you. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Rick, welcome up. Thank you, Victor and the praise team. You know, I, I grew up in the L.A. area, and can't you just feel how great a day this is going to be? Just, just the weather, you can feel it. Um, and you're here to give this part of your day as the Lord's day to worship. Um, I think the Lord loves that. So, well done. Be ready. Um, if... Uh, there's a bunch of ways you can get to the passage. Uh, if it's actually printed out on the handout that's there, you can go on the website and pull that off. If you have a, a Bible in some form with you, whether it's electronic or handy, uh, turn to the Paul's letter to Philemon. You know, it's, it's the smallest little piece uh, in the book that we call the New Testament. It, it, to me, it's almost like a bookmark, just so you can find the, the, the longer letter to the Hebrews. It's pretty short, but very significant um, in, in, in history, uh, particularly U.S. history. won't get into that too much. Uh, but the title of this message is Wake Your World. Wake Your World. Not, not the world, your world. Whether it's your family, uh, your workplace, your school place, that's your world. Um, and I think, as Victor said, uh, when we taste the Lord and see how good he is, we're going to tell other people, and it's going to wake our world. Well, this is number three in a four-part series called Startup 2021. The first week, um, we looked at living life like a pilgrim, being on a journey, for the Lord, to the Lord, uh, looking for a better kingdom, a better place, a better nation. Um, and that journey is described particularly in Hebrews chapter 11. Then last week, we talked about how to read like Jesus, how to read scripture like Jesus reads it and interprets it. So today, that's what we're going to do. 
we're going to interpret uh, this passage uh, in that spirit um, and see how God might be leading us to wake our world. Um, by nature, I am a research and development kind of person, a startup guy. After all, my initials are R&D. Um, and I remember uh, one time we were cleaning the house or whatever, and, and my kids were there, you know, they were middle school, I guess, at the time. And we came across a bunch of LPs, those records. And I remember my son picking up one of those, and he goes, you mean there's music on both sides? Uh, he, he had grown up in the CD world. Now, very soon, you know, the kids are going to look at a CD and say, what's this for? Um, what did you use this for? Uh, because the technology is changing. What's interesting about where we're living is it's changing faster and faster. You know, so that I'm pretty sure my grandchildren don't know what a Walkman is. And I think about all the careers in the 20th century that no longer exist. Now, I think there are still a few blacksmiths out there. But in the generations past, that was very necessary to have somebody that could make horseshoes and those kinds of things. Now we need auto mechanics instead of blacksmiths. And technology's always changing and we can adjust to it or we can run from it. Now, I don't know if this is going to work for me, but my goal is not to be like my parents who embraced a low-tech, no-tech zone life. The problem with embracing, not embracing the technology, the disruptive technologies as they come along, is you end up distancing yourself from the younger generations. Um, I don't want to miss out on what's going to happen for my grandkids. I remember the first time I texted my kids, and I remember them putting in there, you mean dad can text? Well, there's something like that's going to come along for my grandchildren, and I want to be right there to disrupt them. You know, they're going to think, grandpa's not going to know how to do this, and boom, I'm going to be right there. So I'm going to keep investing in technology, and I'm not going to be a low-tech, no-tech zone. That's not going to be me. Um, and we live in a high-tech world, so it, disruptive technology is coming down the road. One I'm very interested in, we're all used to Wi-Fi. Well, there's things being tested right now in Estonia, of all places, called Li-Fi. And it works off LED lights. Uh, so it, it, will, it will change a lot of things if Li-Fi really is the solution to some of the problems with Wi-Fi. So... That, that world is coming, and we need to embrace that um, for the gospel's sake, uh, for the good news of Jesus' sake. Now, that, um, the thing I really like about this little letter to Philemon is it is disruptive spirituality. You know, when Jesus gets a hold of you, he will disrupt your life. And he will work in your life to disrupt your world. Uh, so just fair warning, there's a disclaimer there. Um, and so let's, uh, let's do some reading. Uh, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Now, what does he mean by that? 
that Jesus had him in shackles? No, but he was in shackles because he was following Jesus as closely as he could. Now, he gets arrested, uh, or he, he actually up, uh, appeals to Caesar. He was a Roman citizen. So he went from Palestine to Rome uh, in order for his trial. Nero is the emperor at the time. So I'm telling you, this is not going to end well for Paul. But he is shackled when he first gets there, Roman soldiers on either side. And he starts leading these Roman soldiers to follow Christ. And consequently, um, somebody in the food chain above, between him and Nero, decided, let's just put him under house arrest. I'm tired of these soldiers coming back as Christians. Um, I, I don't know if you, you read about this, but about 10 years ago, um, as Castro's administration was, life was winding down in Cuba, he had a bunch of pastors arrested and put in jail. And in this one particular prison, those pastor prisoners all decided to be as faithful as they could to the Lord and to share about Jesus with all these prisoners. And so many prisoners began following Jesus, it changed the prison system. And so finally, somebody said, you got to get those pastors out of jail. They're messing with everything. They're, they're disrupting the prison system. And so they got paroled early because they were faithful and they woke their world. Well, that's a little like what's happening to Paul. And so he says, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. So we know he's out of that, you know, you know chained in a place. He's in a, under house arrest because he can have guests and he can have helpers. And Timothy was somebody that he had led to the Lord and he saw great potential in him. That he could sort of pass the baton to Timothy. Uh, you can read a little earlier in the New Testament and Paul writes two letters to Timothy. Turns out by nature, Timothy was kind of timid and shy and he needed to be strong in the leadership he was gonna take, especially in the church that Paul had helped start in Ephesus. Now, if you know your geography and, uh, you know, looking down the Mediterranean coast of Turkey, uh, Ephesus is sort of right in the middle there. Um, and then to, the, to Philemon, our dear brother and fellow worker. Now, just a piece about Philemon. Philemon lives up the, the mountains, so to speak, from Ephesus, um, and he lives in Colossae. There's a Tri-Cities area there, Laodicea, that name may strike a bell from reading in the book of Revelation. Um, and then there's, a, there's another city, which in the Greek means uptown, like our upland nearby here. Uh, and then there's Colossae, where Philemon is from. Philemon apparently is pretty, uh, has a lot of means. He has the house church uh, that meets there, uh, that was started by a guy named um, Epaphras. Uh, who came up from Ephesus to start the church, just like somebody came up to start the church here. And so we're here, and we're grateful for that. Also to Aphia, our sister. I don't think I'd ever name a kid Aphia, especially a girl, because you know what they're going to call her? Aphid, right? Yeah, I don't recommend it. Um, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. The church that meets in your home. Um, now, 
there's a man who's sort of the mailman from Rome for Paul. His name is Tychicus. You know, one of the reasons to read the New Testament is you find all kinds of names that you can name your kids or your pets. So choose carefully, all right? Tychicus. And so he comes, and he might have been bringing the letter to the Ephesian church and the letter to the church at Colossae, and then at the back was a tiny little letter, this letter that I'm going to read to you in just a minute. Um, uh, and to the church that meets in your home. So if you got a letter from somebody like Apostle Paul, you can read that to the whole church. Now, the letter to Philemon was not to the church. It was to an individual. But it gets included uh, in the New Testament. And I think you'll see why in just a minute. And then he starts the letter. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. You can't have peace until, unless grace comes first. Grace is that experience of God's unmerited favor on you, on me. That God loved me even while I was hostile to him. And his love won me. And I found forgiveness in Christ. Grace. And so I had peace for the first time in my life. Peace. Uh, verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. P uh, Paul, uh, so, so does Peter, they love to pray. They love to, to worship the Lord. It's such a great thing to start your day lifting your life up to the Lord. Uh, because I hear about your love uh, for this, his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Uh, okay, maybe they didn't have the internet and Wi-Fi or any of the social media, but there's lots of people going back and forth, and they always bring news to Paul, and he sends back sometimes letters. Now we get down to the serious stuff. What do you pray, Paul, when you pray? Verse 6, I pray that your partnership. Now, the, the, Hebrew, the Greek word for that is uh, koinonia, uh, and it means it's, it's more than partnership it's it's like a choreography it's what we're into this together um i pray your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of christ your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you brother because i'm a brother now i, I don't know if you know this um you know, Father's Day, Mother's Day come around once a year. For a lot of people, that's not the best day. Because they didn't have the best dad or the best mom. And they're still having to work through what that was like. Uh, I remember one time in, I, in my day job is I teach a gate, gateway seminary, teach theology and history. And I, I put the students in an exercise on the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And I said, today I want you to just call God by name. And you can use, according to the New Testament, there's 75 places in the New Testament where all three are identified in close order in prayer and all different orders. And so you can pray in any order you want. And if it makes you really uncomfortable, just tell the Lord, it's my professor's fault. My professor told me to do this. And uh, so um, afterwards we kind of debriefed and... Uh, this one lady, this gal, she, she says, you know something? I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. 
So I have never, ever as a Christian been able to call God Father. So when we started praying, I, I prayed to Jesus because Jesus, you know, he's, he's, he's my homeboy. And then I prayed to the Spirit, God the Spirit. And then finally, for the first time in my life, I was able to call God Father. And there's a lot of people like that. And when they come to church, you're coming for the community. They're coming because in this place, they found the family they never had. And, you know, you're the brother. You're the sister. You know, um, you got to know that. And that's what Paul's saying here. You, brother, have refreshed. Now, I don't know what the translation you're looking at says, but if you just circle that word, you've refreshed. There is a, an impossible to pronounce Greek word. It, it sounds like skpalagna. And it means affection. Um, it's, it's the people that have endeared themselves in your heart. And you just, you know, like when you come here, there's certain people when you see them, you just light up. Um, I hope you got people here like that, that light you up. You got people in your life that just light you up. That's what he's talking about. Brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ, um, I would be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Okay, now, if you read that line and you're following along what's going along, you know a shoe is about to drop. I could tell you to do this, you know, because I led you to Christ. I could tell you to do it. Um, yet I prefer to ask to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul. And then it's, it's an interesting translation. An old man. It actually means an elder. But you think about it. If somebody's an elder, they have to be an older, right? <laughs> um, so elder, older, and also am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So Paul's got some very interesting credentials that he doesn't hesitate to share. That I appeal to you for my son. You're my brother, but I'm going to appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. Uh, could everybody say that word with me if you're online too? Onesimus. Onesimus. Onesimus is a slave name. It means useful. Um, I remember about 30 years ago, uh, in this, it was sort of a second part of the civil rights movement in the U.S., Many African Americans began to change their names because they were convinced, probably rightly so, that the name they had was a slave name. It wasn't their real name. So, you know, most famously, um, Muhammad Ali, the boxer, his name was Cassius Clay, but he believed that was a slave name, so he changed his name. And famous basketball player, um, Lou Alcindor changed his name also. Um, and Onesimus. I remember at seminary, I had a guy, a student who came. He had the coolest name ever. His name was Shabazz. Now, if your name was Shabazz, I just think great things would happen around you. You know, lightning or, or smoke or something. Shabazz. Well, he came to me one day and he said, I'm trying to decide if I should keep that name or not. He had grown up in a church like this, and somehow the taste was gone. He couldn't wake that world up. And uh, there was a new game in town 
called the Nation of Islam. You may not know this, or you may know it. If you've, if you've ever been in Manhattan, they're, they're often on the street. Uh, but the way I experienced it was these were the best-dressed African-American men. They had on white shirts and ties. They were just different. But if you investigate the Nation of Islam, it's, it's built-in has a, a hatred and anger to it. And that's what Shabazz came to me and said, I left my church to become a member of the Nation of Islam and changed my name. And the name I got was Shabazz. And now I'm trying to decide, shall I keep Shabazz or shall... Now he had come back to the church. And I said, why did you come back to the church? He said, because I got tired of the anger and the hate. For him, it was a religion of hating. Hating the oppressors. Hating the Caucasians. And... Uh, now, I don't know how that turned out. And I said, well, you could go either way. If you keep the name Shabazz and stay in ministry, you're going to have a built-in story to tell right then. Why is your name Shabazz? Isn't that a nation of his? What happened to you? And you'll have an opportunity to share. And that's the same with this guy, Onesimus, useful. There is later... Um, one of the pastors after Timothy of the church at Ephesus, his name is Onesimus, which is a slave name. Which means that there was no glass ceiling, so to speak, in the church in Ephesus that didn't matter what your background was. If the Lord had called you and given you the gifts for ministry, the sky was the limit. And so he became the pastor. Onesimus. Now, that would creep a lot of people out because they don't want their, their pastor to have been a slave. But I, it attracts me. In whatever your background, uh, whatever your story, your story changes when you go from B.C. to A.D. When you start following Jesus, he'll wake your world. And that attracts me and many other people as well. So here he comes. For my son, and Paul calls him my son because he led him to the Lord. Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Uh, I suppose Onesimus, who is a runaway slave from Philemon, and the way the story rolls out here, it seems that he was accused of theft. And so he you know, jumps on a ship, however, ends up in Rome, and he already knew about Paul because Paul had helped to start the church in Ephesus, and no doubt his owner, Philemon, had talked about Paul. So he looks Paul up, and he comes to Christ. He finds forgiveness of sin. Formerly, he was useless, you know, a play on the useful name, but now he's become useful to you and to me. I'm sending him who is my very heart. Now that's that same weird word, which means affections and dear. I'm sending you my heart. Um, you don't know who's going to capture your heart. Do you know that? You just fall in love with some people. They just light up your life. And... You know, it, uh, I don't really care how you treat me. I care how you treat my kids and my grandkids. If you love them, I, you love me. They have captured my heart. 
I'm wrapped around my granddaughter's, you know, I'm wrapped around her finger. And same with my, my grandsons. It just, it, it happened to me. Um, and when Paul told Onesimus, you need to go face that music. You need to get that straightened out. He's a brother in Christ too. You need to go back and deal with that. Um, a friend of mine named Stacy, when she gave her life to Christ, I, I didn't know this. Uh, she'd been a shoplifter all during her high school years. And so she gave her life to Jesus. She had some music she needed to face. This is, she told me. And she said, I had to go back to every single shopkeeper and pay them back. Now, guess what? She's a store owner herself now. Um, but she said, the moment that I had paid it all back, I could see the Lord everywhere. The scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. She could see the Lord's presence in everything. So if you have to face some music and you go face it and, and face it all, however long, she said it took two years to pay it all back, to make all those contacts. Um, get on that road. It's a joyful one. Uh, so um, I'm sending my heart to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so I could, uh, he could take your place in helping me while I'm here in chains for the gospel. Paul mentions that again. But... Um, I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you uh, would do uh, so that any favor you do would not seem forced but voluntary. I always used to tell my family, are you asking or are you telling? Voluntary is better. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave. Those words, it's, you know, just, just a couple of words. No longer as a slave. It, it changes the whole tone of the letter. Um, sadly, in U.S. history, it's actually before U.S. history, uh, it's in the 17th century, there was a big discussion on the East Coast about if, if we allow these slaves that we're now importing for whatever, business, farm, all that, if we allow them to hear the good news of Jesus... And they give their lives to Christ. What about this? Are they no longer slaves? And there was a sad decision there that said, no, give the gospel to them. But just because they follow Jesus doesn't mean they're no longer slaves. Um, but better than a slave, as a dear brother, he's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man. And as a brother in the Lord. Now, if, you, if your culture embraces ownership of other human beings, there is a tendency to dehumanize them, to cartoonize them. And because then it makes more acceptable uh, to, to do what you do uh, with them and to make them work without compensation, you know, on and on. It's a horrible thing. Honestly, there's no good slave holders in history anywhere at any time even today there's slavery is awful so having said that um as as you look at this this passage who no longer is a slave but receive him as a fellow man and as a brother in the lord 
All right, now I'm, I'm going to jump, jump to the end, so to speak, and then come, come back. Um, in this short letter, there are three people that have to take a next step with the Lord. To wake up their world, they're going to have, Jesus is calling them to take a next step. You know it's the next step because your heart rate has gone up. And you have a decision, and I'm going to do this, or am I not? Paul had a next step. Paul's was, am I going to challenge Onesimus to leave me and go back and face Philemon? Onesimus has a next step. Am I going to leave where I'm safe to go back where I ran from in order to face my music? Um, and then Philemon also has a next step. How am I going to receive this runaway who's come back? Now, I don't know that he had more than one slave, unless they had a couple of handfuls. All right, what's everybody expecting when Onesimus shows up? Well, in the slave culture of the day in Rome, they would expect at the very least a beating to occur. At the very least, a beating. Or maybe he would sell him to some horrible, worse life. Or even take his, his life because his life belonged to the slave owner. No consequences to the slave owner. Um, so Onesimus' next step is massive. Um, there's a verse in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, that says this, They that know the Lord their God shall go on adventures. They that know the Lord their God shall go on adventures. Now, Bilbo... Um, in the Tolkien trilogy, he says there's a problem with adventures. You're likely to miss lunch. Um, my experience has been, as I experience the living God, he calls me to do exploits and go on adventures. And some you, you may say, well, I, you know, I'm not an adventurous person. Jesus makes you adventurous. Jesus gives you courage. Jesus accompanies you as you go on the journey, as you read the book, as you wake your world. He'll be with you. Be strong and of good courage. I'm with you, uh, he said to Joshua. Um, I don't know if you brought your imagination to church today, but when Jesus' really good friend Lazarus died, Mary and Martha, you know, sort of sent him an urgent text, come quickly. Lazarus, whom you love, is ill. And, and Jesus didn't come for three days. When he came, he'd, he'd not only got there too late, Lazarus had died, he even missed the funeral. And everybody was grieving, and Jesus Christ, because he loved that guy. He loved Lazarus. So he said, you know, show me the grave. He goes down to the grave. Okay, now here's where your imagination comes in. Do you think Jesus knew at that moment he was going to say what he did? You know, he says, roll back the stone. Do you think Jesus knew in that instance, you know, or knew before then what was going to happen? Or did in that moment the father say to the son, call him out? 
Lazarus, come out. That could happen to you today. Um, you know, you're not doing anything. Your, your world is asleep. You're at rest. You're at peace. You're safe. Maybe you don't have new life that Christ talks about. And he's going to come and stand in front of your chair. He's going to stand in your living room with you and say, come out, call you by name. That's how this happens. Uh, if he calls you, come out. If he calls you. Um, so let, let me circle back now. So if you consider me a partner, that's the second time he's used this word. We're partners. Welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done anything wrong to you or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. Now, um, calligraphy is a hobby of mine. Analyzing handwriting is, is a hobby of mine. And normally, Paul has a, a writer uh, who, who will do, write the manuscript, a scribe. But I think right at this point, even though it's, you know, it's, it's just 25 verses, it's 100, 200 words, he says to the guy, stop, I want to write this part. So he takes the squib out of his hands and he starts writing. And in another place, he's, he's doing the writing in his much bigger letters because um, I guess his penmanship wasn't that good. Um, and so at this point, he writes it in his own hand because look what he writes. I will pay it back. In other words, he's saying... Um, I have given you my credit card. He's going to have my credit card and you can charge it to my account. Not to mention that you owe me yourself. I don't want to bring that up. Um, I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. And then he uses that crazy word. Refresh my heart. Uh, Philemon was known to refresh the hearts of the people of the church in Colossae. Because of his generosity and his kindness. And now Paul is saying, my heart is hurting because I've sent Onesimus to you. Now encourage me. Um, and one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, that's the church planter of the church my fellow prisoner in christ sends you greetings and look who else is in the house the the rest house um so do mark aristarchus demas and luke you say well who are those well mark and luke are two gospel writers you know um matthew mark luke and john he's got two in the house watching this happen watching paul's world get awakened, watching Onesimus to take the next step and sending this letter. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. By the way, that name Demas, he's named in another part of the New Testament and Demas chickens out in his faith. He's unwilling to continue to take the risk of following Christ publicly. You know, Christianity is very personal, but it's never private. Demas decides to keep it personal and not let it be public. Um, 
So he gets honorable mention here, but later dishonorable mention. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So, what could we take away from this? Um, this is an emancipation letter. And Onesimus gets set free, but so does the slave owner, Philemon. Now, as he reads the letter to Colossae, and then this follow-up letter, and Onesimus is standing there, what am I going to do with Onesimus? What am I going to do, says Philemon in his head? If, if I beat him, which is the expectation of probably everybody in my house, you know, maybe that'll get balanced back. But if I embrace him as a brother, what are the other slaves going to think? Okay, this guy runs away, steals the money, maybe, and then comes back and he wants to be received as a brother? What, what's that about? What if, you know, Philemon goes down to the, his rotary club there and there are a bunch of other slave owners in there and they say, Philemon, we understand that you emancipated your runaway slave. You not only didn't beat him, you loved him. And you received him as a brother. You can't be doing that here. You can't be disturbing the culture. Um, but I think Philemon did it. And through that path, Onesimus became a pastor. That's what I'm talking about. What's the next step with the Lord in your life? The next step of obedience, of discipleship. It might be your first step. You've never taken a step like that. You know, you found yourself here this morning by invitation or online. You, you stumbled across the CIV website and you're watching. And then all of a sudden, your heart is beating faster because you realize you're being invited to take that first step to Christ and give your life to him. And now you've just seen what it could cost you by listening to this letter to Philemon. Next steps. Um, what's your next step in discipleship? Yours. Um, if it's really a next step, you probably know it's going to cost you. You're going to risk something. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. The discipleship you want in following Jesus, please don't go shopping for it at the discount table. Pay full price. Get the good stuff. Um, take the next step, whatever it may cost you. Now, I know what the next step that I'm going to be taking, working, I'm working on. There's a couple of them, actually. Um, and I know what it's going to Who's going to get upset about it? Who's going to get disturbed? Who's going to be awakened and is going to push back on me? Um, what about you? What's your next step? Um, I work with a lot of people in jail, in prison. Uh, some of them are there because they became Christians and then went and confessed their crimes. Don't go through life knowing you have something to face that you don't face. And if you step up to face it, you won't be alone. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. And uh, 
There's a passage in, in Acts chapter 7. You can just write that down and check it out later. But Stephen is, 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 is preaching, He's speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And they've had it with this guy. They've had it with his Jesus. And so they start picking up rocks and start to throw them. At that moment, uh, Stephen, it says, full of God's spirit, looks up and he sees something happen in heaven. Now, you got God the Father. I, I know I'm really speaking graphically of this. And on the throne there on the right is God the Son, Jesus. He's got a seat and he's seated. But what he, Stephen sees as he looks up, Jesus stands up. He gets up. Um, and, and what that means to me is honestly, if there's no one else who's going to stand up with me, he's going to stand up for you. He's going to stand up for me. Um, so take the next step. Whatever, whenever, wherever. Pay the cost of discipleship and you will discover it's worth the trip. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to just hold this one page in our hand, to realize the history of the work of Christ in the lives of a church like Church in the Valley, Church in Colossae, that Jesus, you have been calling people to yourself for decades and centuries and making it worth the while. Lord, for anybody that's here who has not taken that first step, uh, may they have the courage to open themselves up to you. Whatever their sin, whatever their issues, their struggles, knowing that you're a savior, you're a forgiver, that you've paid a price on that cross so that we can be absolutely forgiven and there's no condemnation on us. And then we can face our world and wake it up, face our music, pay the cost. Lord, hear their prayer. For those that are here who know increasingly what the next step is for them, Lord, I pray that you'd give them courage and companionship. You give them affection in the heart so they'll take it with you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a few moments to reflect as well as to if you guys still need to fill out the connection card online so let us know that you're here as well as let us know what your next steps are so that we can be praying for you um, but thank you Rick
your son and because of his death and resurrection, Lord, we've been resurrected from death to life. Once slaves to sin, now free. Servants of a God who is powerful and who loves. You take old things and make them new. You take ashes and give us beauty for them. who have committed our lives to you, we thank you. We ask that you would show us the way that you would have us move in our world. Take the next step in following you and loving you.
spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting by your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat the resurrected King is resurrecting me in your name I come alive to declare your victory the resurrected King sing by your spirit by your spirit King is resurrecting 
Jesus. When all I see is the mountain, you see the mountain. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am saved. See what I fight. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. can be against me for Jesus there's nothing impossible when all I see are the ashes you see the beauty thank you Jesus when Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows you win every battle nothing can stand to overtime almighty fortress almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our god we shine in the shadows you win every The battle belongs to you. 
victory that Jesus has given us this week. We'll see you guys next time.